Well, you picked a good night to come because we're going to be talking about some things that uh, probably will get pulled off of YouTube, but hey, you, you want to know what's going on in Israel, and I want to share it with you. The title of the message is Israel and Hamas's War, God's News Behind the News. So you can know exactly what is going on. And by the way, my name is Kelly. I feel like it's been forever since I've been here, so <laughs> been up here. So uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, just been recovering from shoulder surgery. My shoulder's not all the way through, but I believe the Lord will navigate that and allow that to happen eventually. So if you see me kind of cockeyed, that's all it is. The, the verse I want to give you tonight is Psalms 121, verse 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Come on, that's a powerful verse. He that keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. We have seen much over the past couple of weeks about Israel and the war that they have been in since uh, it's been a month yesterday. And people are asking if this is part of the last days, and it is. This is part of the wars and rumors of wars. People are asking what this war is about. It's a demonic war. It's Nazi Germany revived in a new, and just taken on a new form. It's about the annihilation of the Jewish people. And Satan knows that his days are numbered. And I want to talk to you about what we are seeing and what is going on and where does this lead to. Prophecy scholars have a couple of opinions. Now, I'm not a prophecy scholar, but I'm a prophecy student. And I'm just here to report what is being said. Some say it is a lead into Psalm 83, and some say that that war happened in 1948 and 1967, and I would agree with that, because the nations that are mentioned are not exactly at war with Israel now, but they were in 1967. Another camp says that Psalm 83 is a smaller ring that branches into a bigger ring in Ezekiel 38. Now, in Psalm 83, verses 6 through 8, I'm going to give you a lot of verses tonight, and we We'll go a little long, so just bear with me. I hope that's okay in church, though. Not, maybe not for kids' life. If you have kids in kids' life, maybe Miss Tina and Miss Sherry will forgive me. But Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt are mentioned in Psalm 83. We know that Saudi Arabia is not at war with Israel. Psalm 83 mentions the tents of the Edomites, which is Palestinians or Philista or Gaza, where Hamas is today. And Lebanon, where Hezbollah is, and some other nations are mentioned, and they are mentioned at war with Israel. They, they are mentioned not yet at war with Israel, but could be going forward. However, they were at war in 1967. Now, here's where people go and think that it could be the war of Psalm 83 is because it says the tents, which means maybe some small factions within these nations could be at war, but not necessarily the nation. You know, they have Israel surrounded, and some are at Israel with, at peace with Israel right now. In other words, they live around Israel. The desire in the Psalm 83 war was to take the pastures of God, which is land. The, those nations that they are in Psalm 83 are not mentioned in Ezekiel 38, but make no mistake, Ezekiel 38 is where this is headed to. And it's to take the, the oil, the gas, possibly the gold, and some even say water. But God himself will squash that battle in an all-out blaze as he shows up as he did in the Old Testament to defend Israel. 
Now, Hamas is the JV team, and Hezbollah is the varsity team, and we know that Iran is the one that is pulling the strings. They're considered the head of the snake. It doesn't matter if our own government doesn't acknowledge that. Iran has acknowledged that they are the head of the snake. Iran has a hypersonic missile that can reach Israel within six minutes and can even overwhelm the dome. Is Iran or Iran and Islamic jihadists believe that if they start a war, that it will bring in their leader. And Israel, with Benjamin Netanyahu, has his eyes on that on on Iran, and they are not far fetched that Benjamin Netanyahu would decide to take them out first. You know they've been breathing threats and slaughter all of these years. The original plan was uncovered as to why it took Israel uh, so long to come back. And I want to share it with you. Iran was planning with the leaders of the Al-Quds force, which is the leaders of the Iranian revolution, and they were trying to create what they call a ring of fire, and they call it the judgment where the terrorist groups come together and try to overwhelm the Iron Dome. The plan was to infiltrate through the walls with vehicles from the sky, they were going to attack the military bases and take approximately a thousand hostages. And it was estimated that it would have taken Israel at least a week to recover from the airstrikes. The ring of fire plan was that all these groups would come and attack. And this came out of the mouths of the Ayatollahs in Iran. On October 7th, Hamas jumped at the gun earlier because they saw an opportunity to become the main attacker. And they jumped rank, deceived Hezbollah and the other Iranian proxies because they wanted to take the glory for themselves. Low-level operatives gathered for prayer that morning at 4 a.m. And at 5 a.m., they thought it was just a drill. And they were told this is not an exercise, but go in and attack. They got weapons at 6 a.m. And they reached the fences at 6.29 a.m. And Hezbollah and the other groups were shocked because they they did not know that this was going to happen. That's why during the first hour of the attack, the IDF was called up to the north because they were waiting for this all-out attack, and they thought that this was just a distraction. After an hour, they rushed to take care of business, and they saw that Hamas had gotten a jump. But this is the God part of this. The IDF discovered numbers of plans, maps, and instructions that it was supposed to be 10 times bigger. And Israel was able to stop the attack closer to the border with 1,400 casualties, where intel showed that it would have been 10,000 casualties. And what happened is this caused Israel to become in, in high alert, and the Jewish people began to flock back to the country. 200,000 came in from abroad, 50, uh, 150,000 were already there, and 350,000 reserves were called in. And right now, Israel has the largest number of people in uniform at the borders. 100,000 at the northern border, 100,000 at the southern border, and 150,000 at the West Bank and the Jordan Valley. So that jumping the gun caused Israel, or God, to be on step to conquer and smash it. You know, Psalms 2, verse 1, verse, verses 1 through 5 says, Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains. They cry and free ourselves from the slavery to God. But the one who rules in heavens, in heaven, laughs. I like that. The Lord scoffs at them. 
Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. I want to look at what the news is not telling you about Hamas and a Palestinian state. Now, Hamas is a terrorist organization made up of Sunni Muslims, and this is an Islamic resistant movement. In the Hebrew, the word for violence is the word Hamas. It's interesting that it says in Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, the earth was depraved and putrid in God's sight, and the land was filled with violence, or Hamas, desecration, infringement, outright uh, outrage, assault, and lust for power. And God looked upon the world and saw how degenerate, debased, and vicious it was, for all humanity had corrupted their way upon the earth and lost their true direction. God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of all flesh, for through men the land is filled with violence, or Hamas, and behold, I will destroy them in the land. In Arabic, it means zeal or strength, meaning in the earth, it would be filled with Hamas violence, and you see senseless hatred, assault, lust for power, outrage, desecration, and infringement, exactly what you are seeing in the news today. I heard a report Friday that it was received, that, that the United States received threats that if Israel goes deeper into Gaza, that Hamas, which is estimated to have thousands of pro-Hamas or possible terrorists in the United States, could be activated from sleeper cells that crossed into our border. I want you to see this article, this picture. It's from uh, the FBI, Christopher Ray. He says, and I quote, the threat is very much ongoing. And in fact, the threat picture continues to evolve. Here in the United States, we cannot and do not discount the possibility that Hamas or other foreign terrorist organizations could exploit the conflict to call in their supporters to conduct attacks on our soil. You can go and read that for yourself. Friday, I was watching the news, and a Hezbollah leader threatened the United States for support for Israel and said, we must pay the price. We do support Israel, right? I just want to be sure. And desecration. Think about this. I don't know if you have seen the attacks that have happened. And I'm not going to be too graphic, but I will share a little bit with you. They are cutting the arms off of children. They are breaking in and doing things that you should not be done. And all the while this is going on, they are sitting at the table eating the food of the people. They're, in other words, they do what they do and then they fix their food and eat it. And then so, so much tragedy has been done to the Jewish people and the Palestinian people that, that they're bringing in archaeologists just to sift through the ashes to find bone so they can identify the bodies. Think about that. I'm not going to go any more into detail, but this is the most horrendous thing that the world has ever seen. In fact, the parliament went in and watched Hamas body cam footage, and they came out shocked and weeping and wanting to throw up for an hour. Don't tell me that there is not a real devil. You need to know that Hamas called it a fresh Assault on Israel. They called it an Alaska flood. Jesus told us in Matthew, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be with the coming of the Son of Man. See, we always hone in to the drinking and the giving in the marriage. 
but the world is filled with violence. This attack happened on Simchat Torah, which is, it happened when the Jewish people get together and read a specific verse at the end of Sukkot, and it's read this way in Psalm 27. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me. They breathe out cruelty and violence. What would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage, and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for hope and expect the Lord. See, Israel has enemies that have risen up against her. But remember, the Bible says, he that keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I love that verse. The charter statement of from the Hamas covenant in 1988 reads, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it just as it obliterated others before it. In Article 7, it says the day of judgment would not come until the Muslims fight and kill the Jews. This is a war that started on October 7, and it is not the Palestinians' fault because this became Hamas using them for their bidding. I want you to see another picture. This is an actual, I don't know if you can see it that good. Yeah, breaking news. This is a reporter in the Middle East. Hamas snipers have reportedly killed dozens of children and women on the streets, targeting those attempting to display, uh, attempting to travel from the north to the south, and those displaying white flags as a sign of peace. Similar acts have previously been attributed to the Palestinian and Hezbollah terrorists in Syria. They do, they do not want civilians to leave. They want to use them as human shields and kill anyone who attempts to leave. Hamas terrorists in Gaza will, as usual, blame Israel because it's easy in their media that accepts the propaganda. That is actually happening in Israel. Now, you need to know that they kept 170,000 Palestinians and used them as human shields. As of today, I heard this morning, 50,000 have escaped from that number. Which means if you saw, if you saw any video, the Jewish people were taken in tanks, escorting them out so they could be free. You see, everybody keeps saying free Palestinian. It's not free Palestine from the Jewish people. It's free Palestine from the Hamas terrorists. That is what is happening. And that's what college campuses are not telling us. But we don't get our information from college campuses, right? Don't mean to offend you. <laughs> well. I guess it it is what it is. Hamas was formed in 1987 in Gaza as an offshoot to the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt that really came up during the Arab Spring in December 17, 2010. And in 1997, they were found to be a terrorist organization by the United States. And in 2000, I was in Israel and I witnessed them immediately when we went out into Jericho and we began to do a skit, you know, and present the gospel. And we saw these men, I've told you this before, they came out, they were waving Palestinian flags, and they began to throw rocks at our bus after it was all said and done. And I reached out to the person who who presented the gospel that night, who actually lived in Jericho at a house church, and he said, I don't know if you know this or not, but this was the beginning of the Hamas regime, that we were in their midst. And that really freaked me out, reading that this started in 2000, where they became uh a terrorist organization. In 2006, Hamas became the government 
when they kicked out forces loyal to Mahmoud Abbas. And in 2006, all financial aid that was sent to the area to help with infrastructure and humanitarian aid was used for terrorism. And this is what they did. They built 300 miles of terrorist tunnels. It's estimated 1,300 estimated tunnels to kill the Jewish people. And those tunnels are 250 feet deep. And they were made under three hospitals. And they uncovered in houses, 25,000 houses. They saw tunnels in every other house. And they wiped out 25,000 houses. The international community cut off aid as to not fund the terrorist regime. But guess who stepped up? Israel was sending them water, sending them electricity, and sending them food, and allowing them to cross the border to work in their land. Until now. Remember if you remember, remember if you remember, <laughs> Israel came in and began to drop leaflets, letting them know to, to, to leave and to go out of the, the southern border. And it was, it was estimated that 1,500 terrorists entered by land, and there are 3,000 armed murderers that entered in Gaza into Israel. Now let's deal with Palestine. Galatians, I mean, I'm sorry, Genesis 15, 18 through 19. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. They were promised 300,000 square miles from the Nile River into Egypt, in Egypt to the Euphrates River in Iraq and Syria. Let's look at the picture of what they were promised. Look how much they were promised and look what they have, where it says Israel with that little red dot. Think about that. They have never occupied that much land. King David, when he ruled, he came close to that area. And I'm going to give you a historic fact. There was a mother who used to pray with her son for the Jewish people. They would pray, Lord, restore your land. And in Great Britain, Great Britain came and conquered the Turks during World War I. And General Edmund Allenby and his British troops were there getting ready to get into position to take Jerusalem. He was a Christian and a follower of the Bible. And it's reported the night before the invasion, Allenby prayed that he might take the city without destroying any of the holy places. He wired into London for instructions and received the scripture as a reply. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. Isaiah 31, verse 5. He was so excited about this verse that he shared it at the foothills of Jerusalem. And he commanded all the available aircraft to fly over the morning of December 10th. And it seemed like hundreds of planes skirted very low over the Temple Mount like a cloud. Flyers were dropped. And it said, surrender immediately. You don't have a prayer. And they were signed by Allenby. What the general did not know is that the Turks believed in, in an old prophecy that they would never lose the holy city until a man of Allah came to deliver it. According to the reports, the signature of Allenby on the, prop, on, on the paper dropped from the sky and it was interpreted Allah in Arabic meaning God in Beh in Arabic that means the sun. The Turks were looking as, at, at this as a demand to surrender, signed Allah bin Bey, the son of God, in response. They hoisted a white flag and surrendered, and a shot was never fired. What an incredible story of Bible prophecy and what a mother and son can do in prayer. Amen? 
which this caused the British mandate, which is called the Balfour Declaration. And it, it was the first time that the Jewish land was in the hands of somebody who actually liked the Jewish people. Here's a picture of when Allen B. came in. After the Turks surrendered, he mounted off of his white horse as he entered Jerusalem through the Jaffa Gate because he knew the Bible said that only the Messiah will enter on a white horse. I like that. Britain took back control under the Balfour Declaration in 1917, and it's also the er most of the area that King David took. Then in 1948, the Jewish state was reborn, and the rest is history. The Jewish people had been living in the land for 2,100 years. I mean, yeah, 2,100 years before there was ever a land called Palestine. They were living 2,600 years before there was an Islam. So let me get back up really quickly. From 586 A.D. to 1948, there were empires that took over the land of Israel. The Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Byzantines, Arab Islamic Empire, the Catholic Crusaders, the Mamelukes, and the Turks. That is why people get confused over whose land it is because they built on top of each other. You see, if you go to Israel, you'll see that a lot of what was there during the time of the Jewish people has been built over. And that's why people get confused. In 135 A.D., the Roman, Roman Emperor Hadrian hated the Jewish people. And during a revolt, he squashed them. And he named it Palestina, which is Latin for the word Philistines. So to dishonor the Jewish people, he named the land of Palestina and, call it, and called the people the Palestinians. From 135 A.D. to 1948, it was called Palestine. If you were born during that time, you took on the name of a Palestinian. You need to know that Gaza is the biblical land where the Philistines were from, where Goliath was from. And it's no coincidence that we are seeing a modern-day David and Goliath. But the IDF have enough rocks to take this giant out as well. Now the question is, where does this lead? How many of you have been through the Signs of the Time class that we did a while back? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I gotta, I got a lot of time to, to kill here. So I'm gonna skip through some of the stuff that I said here. But I wanna talk about something that is agreed just upon every side of the spectrum. You know, prophetic time is on hyperspeed. It's as if we're in prophetic crunch time. Things have been happening from time to time, but now we're seeing a convergence of so many things happening. We're in living in dark days, and it will get darker and darker, but it gives the church a time to be brighter and brighter. Prophecy is not doom and gloom. It is for evangelism and holiness. Bible prophecy, in its teaching, promotes holiness and hope. Now, you can have an assurance that Israel will win this battle because the only time that they are defeated is during the tribulation period, and we will not be here. Amen. Praise God. See, there is a true sense of hopelessness that blankets the world like a comforter on a bed. But for there to be an absence of hope, there, there comes a longing for hope. In Titus 2, 11 through 13, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So verse 11 says it's for presenting the gospel to all men. That's evangelism. And verse 12 talks about living holy lives. That's holiness. 
Now, they've been saying the Lord would return for many years, right? We all hear that, and a lot of people start to get complacent or they begin to scoff, which proves the Bible to be true because it says in the last days men would scoff in saying, where's the promise of his coming? But I want to tell you that the rebirth of Israel started the time clock as far as prophecy is concerned. We saw, we saw the ball start rolling at, at this moment in time. Then it said that there would be a knowledge increase. From, from the Garden of Eden till 1900, you, you didn't have much increase in knowledge. Now, in the last 123 years, you have seen knowledge on hyperspeed. It says men would travel to and fro. You see people traveling now. You can have lunch in one uh, country and, and supper or, or supper in the, in the next country. You see in the Bible that the two witnesses are killed and the whole world sees it in one hour. How do you think that happens with a cell phone or computer? There would be wars and rumors of wars, ethnic group against ethnic group, religious wars, which is ideology against ideology. You, you see signs in the sun, moon and stars. Remember the blood moons that fell in 2014 and 2015 fell on on prophetic uh, times. Uh, that God had set in motion. Solar eclipse that happened during World War One on August 21st, 1914, and we just saw another one on October 14th in 2023, which also happened during a time of war. Why is this important? Because blood moons are assigned to Israel. If you remember in 2014 and 2015, everything heightened up and ramped up with Israel. And you see this Specific solar eclipse happen right as war began to start and the war in the world is being sucked into it even as we speak. In Joel chapter 2, 30 verse 31, it says, I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. Fire and columns of smoke are volcanic eruptions, and you can see this happening and on hyperspeed. We're having the most volcanic eruptions that the world has ever seen since time began. Then we see famines, pestilence, earthquakes, waters raging. I don't know if you remember in the tsunami that hit in, at Christmas in 2004. There were Muslims that were on the balcony. And when they, that water got sucked out and brought back in, it says their words were, it sounded like an echo. That is what the word means in the Greek. And then if you remember Hurricane Maria that hit. There was a photographer, Mike Feast, who, is, who said it sounded like a woman screaming at the top of her lungs. That's what happens during birth pains. Luke 21, verse 25, it says, And there will be suns and the signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And upon the earth there will be distress, trouble, and anguish. The nations in bewilderment and perplexity, without resources, left warning, embarrassed, and in doubt, not knowing which way to turn. And the roaring or it says the echo of the tossing of the sea. See, Jesus was telling us exactly what to expect in the, in the last days. Religious persecution of believers right now is at an all-time high. There are people being killed for their faith more than any time in the history of the church. Right now, as we speak. You see the Jewish people. You see anti-Semitism in all of the nations right now. You see it in our streets. You see it in our colleges. The Bible says that they would be hated by all men for, for Jesus' namesake. We saw this this past weekend. It says many will be offended. 
Have you seen the spirit of offense that has been released? Cold-hearted lack of love without natural affection. Deception is at an all-time high with multiple genders and all these other things. We're hearing of talks of a new temple that is going to be built. I've seen video of the Jewish people practicing the sacrifices even now. There's temple furniture that has already been built and waiting to go into the temple. Look what it says in Luke 28, verse 32. Are you keeping up? I got a lot to say. It's been a while, man. I should have did some cardio. Luke 21, verses 28 through 32. Listen. Now when these things begin to occur, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. It says when you begin to see these things. And he told them the parable of the fig tree and all the trees when they put forth their buds and come out in a leaf. You see for yourselves and perceive and know that summer is already near. Even so, when you see these things taking place, understand and know that the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the encouragement that I want you to leave with. Truly, I tell you, this generation, listen, those living at that definitive period of time will not perish and pass away until all these things take place. That is our generation. We will see the coming of the Son of Man in this generation, according to what the Bible says, because the fig tree was Israel being reborn in 1948. In fact, if you go to Israel, you could see on the courthouse and other places, their fig tree that is the symbol of their government. Now, let me be clear on the Middle East. We have to be careful how things are interpreted and just be watchful. We must let these things play out. Ezekiel 37 saw a valley of dry bones. I believe Ezekiel saw the hall. I don't know if you remember the Holocaust. There were the, a bunch of Jewish people that were bones sitting in a valley. I believe that God allowed Ezekiel to see that vision. And then if you continue to read, you see Ezekiel 38 and Ezekiel 39. And I like the fact that God is displaying his majesty in the coming days. 79% of evangelicals believe that the Middle East unrest is a sign of the end times. 2,600 years ago, Ezekiel penned these words in this great book. The countries that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 are on the world stage today. So let's look at God's news behind the news. In Ezekiel 38, verses 1 through 7, please keep up. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face towards Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws. I will bring you out and all of your army and horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them, all of them with the shield and helmet, Gomer with all of its troops, Beth Targarma from the remote parts of the north with all its troops, many peoples with you. Be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them, or it means to lead them. Now let's look at Gog. Gog is the ruler or the president, or it means czar, and it's the man on top. It's, he's the chief prince. Or it's also a principality spirit that overtakes this man, and he's also seen in Revelation chapter 20. Now, to understand who these people are, ethnologists have traced them back to the times of Noah. I want to show you a picture, and I will, I'll leave this up. 
Magog is the stands, the second son of Japheth and the grandson of Noah. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, and Afghanistan. This is the underbelly of Islam. No doubt the fall of, of Afghanistan had a great deal to do with the regathering and the empowerment of Magog. They also burned the weapons during the, the battle of Ezekiel for seven years. That could be our very weapons that we left in Afghanistan. Side note. Rosh is Russia. The Byzantine writers referred to this area as Ross, which is the proper noun referring to a location. I read in the Wall Street Journal, it's reported that from U.S. intelligence that Russia is considering the SA-22 air defense system to Hezbollah as of last week. Think about that. Meshach and Tubal were the fifth and sixth sons of Japheth, which is Noah's grandson, and they settled in Turkey. Persia is called Iran or Iran, and they were known as Persians until 1935. And Ethiopia is Cush, or also known as the Sudan. And Cush was the grandson of Noah through the second son, Ham. This is the area of North Africa. And the Sudanese government was a safe haven for jihadists and Osama bin Laden from 91 to 96. Then you have Put, and it's not the little Cajun name. <laughs> I actually knew a girl named, we called her Put. Libya, which was Ham's son, after Gaddafi was taken out, ISIS came in and seized that place, and human slavery was at an all-time high, even to the point of video of showing slaves being auctioned off, which crippled Libya's government, and then Russia stepped in to help. Libya, as of last week, said for any ambassador of any country that supports Israel must leave our area now. Let's look at this picture. Libya. Why, why is the EU looking to Russia? Look at this picture. Why does Putin care about the Sudan? Think about that. This is in the Bible, and you see this taking shape now. Gomer, which is also Turkey. Some say possibly some of the people from Germany, the first son of Japheth. And then Beth Targarma means house of Targarma, which is house of Turkey. This is the second, the third son of Gomer, the son of Japheth, who is a grandson of Noah. I know this is a lot. <laughs> Trust me. Is your mind exploding? Erdogan, the president of Turkey, said that Hamas is a liberation group and has said that Israel is in a state of insanity and is calling it to end military action. I want you to see this what this coalition that formed in 2017, you have Iran, Russia, and Turkey that formed an alliance for the first time in the history of the world. These are the three nations that come in and attack Israel in, in the last days. Now, they can break up, obviously, but they also can get back together. We know that Vladimir Putin is for, for, forging an economic, political, and military ties with all those around him. And if the timing were to happen and this battle were to take place, that would make Vladimir Putin Gog, the president, the one leading everyone. Think about that. Russia is aiding Iran in its connection to build nuclear facilities. And if, if the Jewish people were to attack that area, it would infringe on Russia's investment. Now let's look at the invasion. A long time from now, you will be called into action. In the distant future, you will swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace after recovering from war. Now, this war could be what's going on now, 
and they go through a time of peace, or it could be the wars that happened in 1967. It says, after this, the people have returned from many lands to the mountains of Israel. You and all your allies, a vast and awesome army will roll down on them like a storm to cover the land like a cloud. Now, three things had to happen for this to, to go on. Israel needed to be back in its land. This could not have happened until 1948. Ezekiel 38 verse 12 tells us that they are prospering. And we see that they're the most agricultural, fruitful place. They lead the exporting of fruit in all of the world. They're also leading in science, and their intelligence is second to none. And militarily, they are the best of the best. I like this verse in Zechariah. It says, on that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. That's amazing. I don't know if you ever saw that verse. Let's look at the ninth picture. Billions of dollars of gold discovered under Elat Mountains to be used to rebuild the third temple in Jerusalem. Remember in Ezekiel, if you read a little further in Ezekiel 38, they ask, have you come to take a spoil? Some say, have you come to take the gold? That's amazing. Their oil and gas, is, their reserves are at $150 billion and will go higher. And then number three, there must be a time of peace in the land. That's where speculation happens. Obviously, they're not at peace, but prior to this, they were living peacefully. And also, it takes seven years to bury the weapons in Ezekiel 39, verse 9. That's why some scholars say it could be the battle that takes place right before the tribulation because you have a seven-year time period of peace. And, in, and you got to keep in mind that the Antichrist shows up during a time of war and implements a peace treaty. And it's very interesting that we are at a time of war even now in the Middle East. And before the Antichrist is revealed, the rapture of the church has to be taken place. That's why some people say we are that close. So I want you to understand, the Middle East turmoil has not taken God by surprise. It has not taken the Mossad by surprise. It has not taken the IDF by surprise. And it should not take the church by surprise. But we should hunker down and continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and continue to pray that the innocent people will be delivered and that God's wrath will be poured out on the, on the, the enemies of Israel. And David himself used to pray that. Amen? Come on, we heard about God's wrath Sunday from Pastor Brandon. God's not hiding his wrath. God is very wrathful. As much love as he is and merciful as he is, he is also very wrathful. Number three, the motives. Ezekiel 38, 10 through 13. This is what the sovereign Lord says. At that time, evil thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise a wicked scheme. He's talking about the leader of Russia. You will say Israel is an unprotected land filled with unwalled villages. I will march against her and destroy these people who live in such confidence. I will go to those formerly desolate cities that are filled with people who have returned from exile in many nations. I will capture vast amounts of plunder, for the people are rich with livestock and other possessions. They think the whole world revolves around them. But Sheba and Dedan, this is Saudi Arabia, which you can see Saudi Arabia is on the sideline and at peace with Israel. And the merchants of Tarshish will ask, do you think that the armies have gathered to rob them of silver or gold? See? Do you think they are here to drive away their livestock and carry their goods and carry off plunder? Plunder. Remember, Russia went in for two reasons. To the civil unrest that was happened under the Assad regime in 2011, 
and to help fight ISIS. And Vladimir Putin had other motives during that time. And we see the power grab for the Crimea as well as Ukraine. Once again, this is the first time that this alliance has ever taken place. And we see that the leader of Russia at this time has ulterior motives. No matter what you think about Russia, they, they have come, the Russian bear has come out of hiding and is on the world stage. It came out that Iranian troops and Turkish troops have been in Syria. There are 17 Iranian proxies right now, which are thousands of people that are waiting for the call to battle that are in Damascus, Syria right now. Now think about the motives. For Russia, is economic. For Turkey and Iran, it's religious. Turkey's motive is Russia has been arming 400 missile defense systems and signed a $17 billion agreement with Russia. You got to understand that it's more to Saudi Arabia's benefit that they side with Israel because they don't want to battle with Iran because you have Shiite and Sunni Muslims, which are against each other. I'm going to skip this part and keep going. Let's look at the sideline nations because we got to wrap it up. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say, have you come to take a, 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 a plunder? Now, Sheba and Dedan is Saudi Arabia and the Sunni Muslims who are against the Shiites in Iran. Now, the merchants of Tarshish, or it says the young lions, could be where America is. Because remember, Britain, their symbol is a lion. And, they, and we came out of Great Britain. And it's very possible, we, we know that during this battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39, no one is there to help them. Right now, we are there. We have aircraft carriers there. We have troops on the ground. But something happens where we get out of the battle, and you've already seen that they're calling for a ceasefire based on hostages and all these other reasons that the Biden administration is calling for them to have a ceasefire. Whatever reason, America gets out of this battle along with Saudi Arabia, and they say, have you come to take a spoil? I believe God wants it that way because he wants no mistake that God himself is the one that's going to deliver them. Now, there's other reasons why they say this can happen. It could be war spent, that America's war spent. It could be an economic collapse. Or my favorite, it could be the rapture of the church. If the rapture of the church happened in America, we would lose our minds and we would need every resource here in America. The question is asked, have you come to take a spoil? I want you to understand the, the fifth point. God is in total control and will display his glory. Look at what it says. I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out in all of your army. I want you to see that God himself is the one directing this. God is saying, I'm going to put hooks in Russia's jaw, in Gog's jaw, and I'm going to drag them on the mountain of Israel, and I will personally kill them myself for coming after the Jewish people. <laughs> I know, a loving God. Don't mess with God's people. God is, God is not ashamed of who he is. Where there is love, there is love. Where there is wrath, there is wrath. Where there is justice, there is justice. Where there is mercy, there is mercy. And look what it says. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall come about in the last days that I will bring you against my land. You see what it says? So that the nations may know me when I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O Gog. In other words, he's telling the leader that is leading this, I will be sanctified at your expense. 
Ezekiel 38, 18. It will come about in that day when God comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, my fury will mount up in my anger. Look at his, his weapons. It's old weapons for new enemies. Look what it says. In my zeal, in my blazing wrath, I declare that on that day, there will surely be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all the creeping things that creep on the earth, and all the men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. The mountains will also be thrown down, and steep pathways will collapse, and every wall will fall to the ground. This is a giant earthquake like the world has never seen. It will be like the days of Moses in number 16 when the pulpit committee came in and tried to drive Moses out and they opened up the ground and swallowed the pulpit committee. If you don't know what a pulpit committee is, if you're a Baptist, that's the people that get together and run the pastor out or bring the new pastor in. <laughs> All the Baptists have their heads. <laughs> I wasn't on the pulpit, on pulpit committee. Ezekiel 38, verse 21, I will call for a sword against him on all my mountains, declares the Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. In other words, this is friendly fire. In the midst of chaos and confusion, he did this with Gideon to destroy the Philistines in Judges 7. In Ezekiel 38, verse 22, with pestilence and with blood, I will enter into judgment with him. There will be some type of epidemic that, of a breakout of disease that will flood the area, possibly because of the bodies that are laying across the land. In Ezekiel 38, verse 22, I will rain on him and his troops and all the people who are with them a torrential rain with hailstones, fire, and brimstone. This is possibly a volcanic eruption or a hundred pound hailstones, God will personally stone every single enemy of Israel. God will then call all the birds of the air to come and feed on the flesh of the enemy of enemies of Israel. And it will call, it will take seven months to bury the dead and seven years to bury the weapons. Once again, this is why some people put the rapture during this time, possibly. They say it's possible. Timing-wise, Islam would be totally crippled, crippled at all these nations coming against Israel because it's predominantly Islamic. And, they, and the Jewish people would have all the cord, the cords to say, we are building our temple whether you like it or not because we are in control now. Because God himself has shown up and sanctified all the people, which will lead a power vacuum because these nations have now been crippled for the Antichrist to step up and sign a seven-year peace treaty that he breaks in three and a half years. I know I'm giving you a lot, but I like this verse in Ezekiel. In this way, I will demonstrate my glory to the nations. <clears throat> Look what it says. Everyone will see the punishment I have inflicted on them and the power of my fist when I strike. And from that time on, the people of Israel will know that I am the Lord, their God. Now, why did I tell you all this? Because all the fear that you see creeping from the news media, you don't have to fear. You know what ends up happening. God does not slumber nor sleep with the people of Israel, and he does not slumber or sleep in your life either. When Satan throws everything he has at you, you can rest assured that God is on your side, that he is looking at the devil, he is empowering you, he's equipping you to take him out in your life. God's word will prevail no matter what, and when the last shot is fired, you and I, as well as the Jewish people and the innocent Palestinians, will be free.
Amen? Ezekiel 39, 23 through 24. It says that he hid his face because of their sin. But he is going to reveal himself. But if you read in John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus himself said, I came and you did not receive me, but one is coming in his name and you will receive him. That tells you that when the Antichrist steps up and allows them to build their temple, they will forget what God did during that battle and they'll begin to worship the Antichrist. So what's a few things that are, you can look for in the news? Isaiah 17.1, behold, Damascus will cease from being a city and become a ruinous heap. We see this happening in Gaza right now. It is being pummeled and destroyed as we speak. And remember, I told you that the Iranian proxies are in Syria and they have those weapons possibly from the Assad regime that has been buried. And if they begin to bomb that area, it could be inhabitable at that time. So that's something that we could be on the lookout for prophetically. And remember in the book of Zechariah, it says in the last days, God would make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. And those that try to move it will be crushed. Remember the Bible talks about dividing up the land of Israel. And he says, those that divide up my land, I will divide up their land. And you see that America has got involved in these things in the past, and we are more divided than ever. We need to let Israel be and let Israel do what they need to do. Now, what does this mean for you and I? I want you to understand that the knowledge of his coming, number one, should convert you. It should convert you to want to get right with God. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but today is the day of salvation. Satan tells you tomorrow, but today is the day. Let him bring you comfort. Paul, this is point number two. Paul said, comfort one another with these words, according to Thessalonians. If, if we are going through the tribulation period, why would Paul say, hey, comfort each other with the fact that you're going through the tribulation? We are not going through the tribulation. The Bible teaches pre-tribulation. And I will stand on that until the day I die. Amen? God is not about to abuse his bride, nor is he going to abuse his children. The seven-year tribulation is called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is Israel. Okay? Number three, let his return calm you. I just gave you a bunch of reasons to not be calm. But Jesus said, fear not. In John 40, 14, verse 1. Listen, God is dragging these armies to the mountain of Israel to destroy the enemies of Israel, to sanctify himself in the sight of the Jewish people and the rest of the world. And number four, let his return purify us. Purify us. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Look what it says in Romans 13, 11 through 12. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. 
Now is the time to witness. Now is the time to tell others about Jesus. The trumpet is soon to sound. And you and I who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with him in the clouds. And there we will be with him forever and ever. And those that are left here behind, our mamas, our daddies, our brothers, our sisters, our children, will be left to go through seven years of absolute hell. And the Bible says if that day would not be cut short, no flesh would survive. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to help you purify yourself. I'm trying to give you hope. I'm trying to give you joy. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but listen, this thing's about to wrap up. When you go to bed at night, you don't know if you're going to lay your head on your pillow and wake up in heaven. In Matthew 24, verse 44, it says, Be ye ready, therefore, For the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not expect. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you might say, I do not know the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. And I know that on Wednesday nights, the bulk of the church, the Bible-believing Christians are here. But I don't want to close this out without giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. So I just want you to simply slip your hand up and say, I want to receive Christ I want to believe on his name. I need my sins washed away. Praise God. If you're watching online, now is the day of salvation. Come on, let's just pray this together. If someone is watching and they need to receive Christ, you might have been putting it off, putting it off, and you're getting fearful, you're getting worried. I believe the peace of God is going to invade you, and you're going to sense the presence of God, and you're going to have hope where there is dread. In Jesus' name, I come right now in the name that is above every name. And Father, I declare right now by faith that there are those that are they do not know you, Lord, that they will come to know you tonight. I have a strong sense that there are people that are coming back to the Lord right now as we speak. You might be in here, you might be online watching, and I'm going to give you that opportunity. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask right now that you would show them your glory, that you would show them their need of a Savior. Father, that they would repent of their sin, that they would ask you to forgive them and cleanse them of all unrighteousness. And God, that you would show them that you are their righteousness. And Lord, they would receive you tonight, this day. This day is their day of salvation. And Lord, we declare right now by the word of the Lord that 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 you are our Savior, you are our Lord. Lord, that we believe that you died on Calvary's cross and you rose again on the third day. And Father, we put our faith and confidence in your justification and your work that you accomplished at Calvary's cross on our behalf. And because of that great work, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And I thank you right now that your people are receiving this word. Now, you might be here and you say, you know what, I've been kicking the tires with the world, and I've been going back and forth, can I just encourage you to to get a resolve to to stay plugged in to the gospel, to stay plugged in to, to the church, to stay plugged in to what God wants to do in your life. Come on, let's just repent of complacency right now. Lord, we ask right now that you would forgive us of sin, of complacency. Lord, of not heeding to what the Spirit is saying in our lives. Father, for playing footsies with sin, Lord, and for not taking your word seriously. Lord, we repent. We don't want to do that anymore. 
And we ask right now, Lord, that you would refresh us as we repent before you. Whatever sin has raised itself up in our life before you, we repent of it. And we ask that you would forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, we thank you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And God, we thank you for the process of sanctification and one day glorification when the trump sounds and we head to the skies and we stand on streets of gold and gates of pearl. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I got you out a couple of minutes before 8, and I thought we were going to go over. But uh, if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. Just come on up. We love you. Have a good night.